Take a second and think about your career path. Where are you on it? Are you running at a pace that is too fast? Are you sitting on the side of the road taking your time to merge back into traffic? Are you so slow that cars are honking and passing you by and you don't even notice? Or have you taken a turn that has led you down a path to nowheresville? Our guest today is learning and development expert Kevin Wildey. He is an executive leadership fellow at the Carlson School of Management, University of Minnesota. In 2015, he concluded a 34-year corporate career in leadership and talent development at General Electric and General Mills. In 2007, Chief Learning Officer Magazine selected Kevin as CLO of the Year. He is a best-selling author, and during his time at these prestigious companies, he saw a lot of career derailment and wanted to understand why and how it could happen to even the best leaders. His new book, Coachability, was originally going to be about career derailment, but he realized that that's just reporting on the accident. He wanted to show leaders how to avoid the accident. And the answer was really quite simple. It was coachability. Welcome to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zinger Folkman. Over the next two weeks, we are diving into a new aspect of coaching that has been largely ignored. We focus so much on leaders being good coaches, but what about the other side of the equation, the receptivity of the person being coached? Thank you, Jack Zenger and Kevin Wildey, for joining me today for this very important discussion. It's a great delight to join Kevin in discussing this topic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion. So I'm really curious about your journey of discovering the importance of coachability. So I'm wondering, Kevin, if you can share just how it got started. Sure. Uh, looking back at my career, uh, as you mentioned, I'd seen a lot of uh, uh, very successful leaders, by the way, but then a few would derail, and it was something worth looking at. I recall in particular uh, spending time with uh, the CEO and the, and the, the uh, senior team at General Mills annually looking at our talent and a lot of great leaders doing really well. But I noticed every once in a while somebody that was on the high potential promote list was not on the list the following year. So I started digging to what went on, and in some cases there was a derailment that happened. I, I interviewed the manager, tried to figure out uh, from the personal file what was going on. And uh, one thing I picked up from the interview I wanted to share is when I asked the, the, the manager, did you see the derailment happen? Uh, the answer was, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and despite their best efforts, uh, they weren't able to turn the situation around. But they felt the leader didn't pick up on it. And I think that might have caused some blind spots that got them in trouble. The second was re reinforcing that. And that's I looked at their last uh, leadership 360 survey of record. And one question kept coming up time and time again at significantly lower than the rest of my leaders. And it was this question. Does this leader seek and respond to feedback? In fact, they were 30% lower than my average population, and I think that pointed out the blind spots they had, which contributed to the derailment. So since that time, I, I've been trying to understand career derailment, the dynamics of leader coachability, and more importantly, how to avoid those problems. We were fortunate enough to work closely with Kevin on this study. We looked at our database at the Seeks and Responds to Feedback survey items. We created a coachability index and then analyzed a global data set of over 50,000 leaders. 
results found that early in their career, leaders are generally seen as very coachable, rated well over the 70th percentile. Unfortunately, the ratings declined steadily at the middle and senior levels. The most senior leaders were rated below the 50th percentile in their coachability behaviors. Compared to supervisors, senior executives were rated 36 percentile points lower in their coachability. The study identified a similar decline by age, regardless of leader level. This was an extremely valuable insight to gain and one that has enormous value to organizations and also of huge benefit to every leader in all organizations. It really was an interesting piece of research that Jack and the team had done that helped me dig further into it. Um, In my now academic role, I have a chance to uh, uh, look at the academic literature in a variety of areas. And I started digging into this feedback-seeking idea behind the the decline. And what I found is a 30-year meta-study of feedback-seeking behavior research, and it confirmed that uh, certainly by level, but also just by age or job tenure. Uh, that coachability kind of declines over time. And the, one of the ways that I'll, I'll jokingly say in a, in a webinar on the topic is, you know, if you believe the research that uh, coachability declines with either promotions or just age and tenure and role, that maybe our best coachable days are behind us unless we do something differently. And that's what we need to talk about. Yeah, and that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow to really accept that. Is this the natural progression for for all leaders? Is it just as important for an older senior leader to be coachable as a new first-time manager? I, I would advocate for absolutely that, you know, given how fast the world is changing, that we need to be nimble, we need to keep learning things and be open for feedback and coaching. And yeah, certainly those derail leaders would say, yep, probably could have been a little more coachable. But the important thing is that we all step back and think about uh, am I having a harder time looking for feedback? Uh, and do I, am I developing blind spots that could me head, head me for trouble? <laughs> Many things that happen with age are way beyond a person's ability to influence or control. But being open to coaching is something I can absolutely control. Yeah. And I think it's probably that many senior leaders don't realize how uncoachable they they come off <laughs> to others. So I, I want to know whether the findings match your life experience in this field. Are these great leaders who are coaching and guiding others in their careers from your personal experience? Have you seen that they really aren't coachable? Well, I, I, let me start by I've seen a lot of great leaders that do maintain coachability and, and the fun of working with uh, Jack and the team as we were able to go back and look at the research and did find highly coachable leaders at all levels. So that was worth studying. But to the point, uh, unless you do something about it, uh, both time and a number of other factors get in the way of us being coachable. And I've seen that with the people I work with. Through history, I think the best leaders have been those who paid heed to what their advisors suggested or told them. But there are huge forces against that. Arrogance easily creeps in, and people treat senior leaders with great deference and often shield them from the truth. As Lord Acton said, power corrupts. And I think there is less social distance between frontline workers and corporate leaders today, but it depends a lot on the leader's mindset. Absolutely. There there are a lot of valuable leadership skills that are talked about, and we've 
we've talked about the importance of inspiring leaders and, and leaders who are very trusted. Is coachability up there in terms of importance and performance? Is it, is it worth the mental energy and effort to really hone in on this particular skill? And what are the payoffs? Well, in that same assessment of 50,000 leaders, we found that there were exceptions to this general downward slide in coachability. The group of leaders who had high coachability scores, regardless of level or age, were standouts. Others saw them as just exceptional as well. Highly coachable leaders were consistently seen as better and more skillful leaders. And that was reflected in the top ratings they received across 16 critical leadership competencies, including things like innovation and inspiration and strategic thinking and collaboration. And I would add that I think maintaining your coachability just unlocks so many other skills and abilities. Uh, I did look at other research on this whole topic about accepting feedback and being coachable, and I found uh, dramatic differences in the research on uh, highly coachable leaders had higher levels of employee engagement, better retention levels, certainly better performance because of the great teams, but also higher levels of promotability. So I think, yeah, if you're looking ahead in a career, working on your coachability could be a master skill. Yeah. And people have really stressed the importance of humility within leaders, especially senior leaders. And they have a hard time or a harder time checking their egos at the office door. A big part of humility is being teachable, which I think is similar to this idea of coachability, or or in other words, evaluating your openness to feedback. But you argued that coachability is more than that. So what is your definition of coachability and how has it evolved as you've continued to study and train leaders to become more coachable? created some of my own research on uh, studying the behaviors that are important for coachability. And it really, it's a holistic view on uh, how you manage yourself, how you continue to learn and grow. Teachability is part of it, but again, I'd, I'd consider it a longer, uh, a bigger concept. Let me give you a definition. So my workable definition is a coachable leader values self-improvement, operates consistently in what I call a learning zone by applying a set of practices that are about seeking, responding, reflecting, and acting. You know, one of the great suggestions in Kevin's book has to do with how leaders can absolutely initiate and practice coachability. It boils down to the leader overtly asking their colleagues for suggestions, for advice, or feedback about something that they've done. We hear of shocked employees saying, I've worked here for 50 years, and never had a manager ask my opinion, let alone for any useful feedback for that manager. Yeah, you've talked about to help leaders be more coachable and to recognize these coachable moments that matter. Can you think of a moment in your career where because you were coachable, you were able to take that feedback and it helped you? 
I, well, one that comes to mind actually was many years ago. I had the honor of speaking at uh, the Zenger Folkman conference. And uh, about a day after the conference, I approached one of the, one of the, uh, the members of the team. I said, Hey, uh, give me some feedback on my speech. What worked well and what I could do better. And the response was surprising. It was, Hey, Kevin, I appreciate you asking. And now your speech was fine. I want to talk to you about the dinner the night before. I said, Oh, and it was the speaker dinner and, and, and the principals, Jack and Joe were there and others. And uh, the feedback was, you know, you spent all your time talking to Jack and Joe and you kind of ignored the rest of us. It's like, whoa, that was not my intent. I, I apologize. And, uh, it's always made me sensitive since then that when I'm in a group of people that, uh, you know, my attention is kind of connecting with everybody there. And if I wouldn't have asked that seek question about how am I doing, how to get better, yeah. I never would have heard about kind of an ancillary moment that was important for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Kevin. Oh, I've I've had some uh, got some wonderful moments. Uh, I uh, when, it, when I was first made a, a, a vice president of human resources, early into my office came one of the, my colleagues in, in this uh, company, and he proceeded to tell me this litany of horrible things about this employee that he had, and he wanted my my you know approval to to terminate this employee, and I being a very young and very novice uh, VP. I said, well, okay, based on what you've told me, I, I, I give you my approval. And so he proceeded. And then as time passed, uh, there was a second side of the story. And one of my more senior colleagues said to me, you know, I hope that you've learned a valuable lesson. And that is never make a decision until you've heard both sides of the story. And that has stuck with me through my entire life, <laughs> that you operate on one side of the equation with, with great danger unless you take the time to kind of deliberately go out and find out, okay, what's the other side? Yeah, all of these wonderful coachable moments that matter so much and leaders are missing out on them from this research that you talked about as they, as they get older and as they get these promotion and these moments matter, this feedback matters. Thanks so much for helping us understand more about coachability. If you want to learn more about our new offering that Zanger Folkman has for organizations to improve coachability with their leaders, I invite you to register for our upcoming webinar with Jack and Kevin. That's going to be about coachability. You can find the link to register in the episode notes. You can also see the link to buy Kevin's book, Coachability, The Leadership Superpower, which has all of this research and more. Be sure to tune in next week. We will begin talking about these four important practices that Kevin brought up that coachable leaders utilize to stay in this learning zone. This episode of the 90th Percentile podcast was written and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you've been enjoying the podcast week after week, the best possible thank you you could give us for all of this research is writing a review and sharing it with your colleagues. Be sure to subscribe and continue listening. All links to the research cited in this episode can be found in the episode notes or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.